0: Good morning again. So I have wonderful news for you. In the last service, I was a little under what I thought I would be. And my understanding is that I can then take that extra and add it to this message. So that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, I wanted to start with a little story. Uh, my niece was here last week, who I've talked about once or twice in my life. She's my best friend. She's two. And um, she came to youth with me. And so, during youth, she was really good. She was playing, and coloring, and doing everything. And about three-fourths through my message, she starts walking up slowly, and she's smiling and look at me, looking at me, and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And she's just kind of standing there looking at me and looking around, and so I keep going. And after a little while, she just looks up and says, Papa, stop talking. And so, uh, just so you know, I kept going, and, uh, but I picked her up. Uh, We are wrapping up the Biggest Loser series, and this has been a series that I really love because it's about losing in order to gain. It's about giving up the things that hold us back, giving up the things that, that, that tie us down, that we cannot get away from sometimes, and then gaining so much more, gaining community, gaining love, gaining freedom, gaining hope. But throughout all of that, one of the things to remember that we need to remember is that it's a process. Uh, I complain a lot about New Year's resolutions just because I think that too often we make these really bold proclamations or these really narrow ones, and then when we kind of fail or when it doesn't go the way we expect it, we give up. And so with this series, sometimes we can kind of think, well, I'm going to get rid of all of my anger by tomorrow. That's not how it works. It's a process. But throughout all of it, God is with us. And so I want to go to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Uh, and so to illustrate this, the point further... Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So this is crazy for us. Uh, Anyone who is here with their child, regardless of age, I want you to look over at your kid and think about, imagine them coming up to you after service and saying, hey, I want my inheritance now. Just imagine The reaction you're going to have. It's probably not a favorable one, so kids, I don't recommend that. But actually, at this time, it wasn't uncommon for the father to be able to choose whether he wanted to give his inheritance before or after he died. Uh, However, it's the son's motives, the son's uh, just the way that he was thinking about things, the things that he wanted, the reasons behind it is what we question. Because he knew that he wanted a different life. He knew that he wanted happiness. He knew that something was missing. But he was looking at all of the wrong places. Yet this shows us God's love for us. It shows God's amazing love. And just how much he cares for us. In that he gives us free will. And through free will, we sometimes do a lot of stupid things. And we make a lot of stupid choices. And yet God still loves us. And so he gives us that ability to choose for ourselves and then to finally see who we need and what we need. And so throughout this series, The the Biggest Loser, it's been about losing those things. Losing those things that tie us down, whether it's anger or or anxiety or grief or whatever it is that you feel that you struggle with, you feel you're holding on to. It's about giving those up and, and losing them. But sometimes, sometimes we choose to lose the wrong thing or we choose to hold on to the wrong thing, sometimes it takes a while to realize what we need to do, or it takes a while to realize what's going on in our life, or it takes a while to realize what is important. And so throughout this message, I want you to remember that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're holding on to, God's love is there. God's love never goes away. Spoiler alert, the father in this parable represents God. God. Because he loves us no matter what we do, no matter how we do things. He loves us throughout the entire process. He always helps us as we find the way back to him. And so we go to kind of the heart of the story in verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant." We know this story backwards and forwards. We hear it all the time. We read it. It's one of the most famous parables ever. Uh, I love it so much. In fact, in college, when I had a fiction workshop, which, you know, awesome. But I had a fiction workshop. I wrote a modern version. Now, for me in college, it was like the 1920s for modern. But it was still modern version of this. And so it's really a story that means a lot to me. And so we look at the younger son first. And he wants short-term happiness he wants the money and he gets it because he looks at his life as I said and he sees that something is missing how often do we look around and we're like I feel just I'm missing something and 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 he looks at the wrong places he probably looks at some of his friends who have more money or he looks at his friends who are having more fun and he looks over at his brother he looks at his dad and he's like I want more and so he finds throughout this that he's let go of the wrong things that he's held on to the wrong things. I love using quotes, and one of my heroes, one of the people I like to use a lot is C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, but he wrote so many amazing books and papers about Christianity and about Christian life, and he has so many wise things that he said. In a lot of ways, to me, he's like a modern-day Paul. Or, I guess he's not modern anymore because he's been gone for a while, but, again, 1920s. So, C.S. Lewis said, Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. Now, how often, though, do we aim at earthly things? We aim at at the promotion, or we aim at a raise, or we aim at the, the big dance, or we aim at a relationship, or we aim at something that's earthly, something that just, man, if I just looked like this, if I just felt like this, if I just had this, it would complete me. And nothing happens. And yet, if you aim at heaven... All of that comes in. And we know this. We know this as Christians. We're here in church today at 11 o'clock because we know that this is true. We trust God. We trust his promises. And yet, sometimes we hold on to our past. We hold on to the way we always did things. We hold on to the wrong things. Now, in this parable, in this story, uh, often when if somebody were to ask, well, where's his victory come? Where does he really change? And we jump to the end where the dad runs up and hugs him. And that's an amazing moment. It's a powerful moment. And it shows us God, but that's not his victory. His victory comes right here when he's sitting with the pigs, when he's at his lowest moment, and he looks around and he realizes, I've messed up. I've messed up and I need to go back to God. I need to go back to the Father. I need to change. That is where his victory is, where he realizes, I've got to drop the bad stuff. I've got to be better. I've got to do better. And then he stands up and he takes action. And as C.S. said, it's what I call him because we used to go to school together, uh, the way back, the way back starts with aiming. It starts with trying. It's often said you can't hit a shot that you don't take. Uh, I'm an IU fan. They don't hit any shots anyway. But still, it, although hopefully we beat you guys later. But uh, it's, it's, It starts with aiming. It starts with trying. It starts with doing our best. It starts with looking around and realizing. And this moment, sitting with the pigs. Now remember that he is Jewish, and so the pigs are dirty to him, and they're just less than anything. And so he's at the absolute lowest he could ever be. Sitting there, his mind is finally clear, and he finally realizes what he has, and he finally realizes what he had. And the important thing here, he didn't sit there and blame his dad. He didn't blame his brother, he didn't blame the pigs, he didn't blame politicians, he didn't blame his past, he didn't blame uh, things that his friends had done, he didn't blame all of these things, he didn't blame the referees, he just looked at himself and said, I got to change. Now, that's not to say that none of those things have an impact on our life, because obviously they do, but it always comes down to our decision. It always comes down to our life. We can only control ourselves. And so he looks at himself and he takes everything into context and says, I've got to do this. I have to do this. Not, I've got to wait until this happens. I've got to wait until the weather's right. I've got to wait until a better day. I've got to wait until my dad's in a good mood. I have to change. Right then. And that's how we need to go to God. That's how we need to open ourselves up and go to God. Whether it's in the first place, right away. Or after we've failed. After we've tried. After we've just not done the right thing because God is always there. We go to verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house And put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I always loved the part where he's practicing. Like you can imagine him walking home, and he's practicing what he's going to say because he knows he's messed up. How often do we go into a situation and we practice both sides of the conversation, and we've worked it out. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I do that all the time, but we practiced both sides and we're like, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. And so his like, he's probably imagining his dad being angry or upset or turning away from him and his dad starts running at him and he starts talking and he's just talking and his dad hugs him and you kind of hear him just continue like and, 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 and this and that and like he continues because he's practiced, but it doesn't matter because what we say is not as important as why we say it. The words that come out aren't as important as the heart that they come from. And so the practice, yeah, that's good and that's important. And if I just walked up here and said random things, which sometimes I do, that's one thing. But to give ourselves to God, we focus on why, we focus on how, we focus on giving it to him. And so that's what he does. And his dad runs to him because God is always ready. God always loves us. God is always open arms waiting for us. A few weeks ago in the contemporary, I spoke about anger. And that was my biggest loser, one of my biggest loser messages, just about uh, dealing with anger. And when I was a kid, like 14, 15, uh, I had a huge anger problem. I just had all of this anger inside me. And, you know, I could psychoanalyze that, and if you want me to, I will outside, but I'm not going to do it right now. But I just had all of this anger inside me. And back in that time, Uh, cereal boxes had actually cool things in them. It wasn't like today, like I went through the store and I saw that one of the Special K boxes said, hey, free little bag of coffee. Come on. Like who wants coffee out of a cereal and also kind of mixed messages. But it's like these little junky toys now. But back in the day, these were hologram baseball cards. Back when baseball still existed, hologram baseball cards. And I wanted, because I knew Griffey was one of them, and I wanted those so bad, and I'd been so ready to get this cereal box, and I got my grandparents to get the cereal box. And so I finally go, and I I open it, and I know it's already open, but I'm 15, so I'm kind of dumb, so who knows? And so I open it, and they're gone. And I knew right then that she'd given them to my cousin. He was younger than me, and he was visiting. And so I go out to the garage, and I'm so angry. And I'm just gonna yell and scream and rant and all these things, and I push open the door, as hard as I can, and my hand goes right through the glass. And to this day, I have a scar on my wrist. And in that moment, as I started bleeding, I realized, I got to change. Now, the next day, it wasn't like, boom, my anger's gone. It was a process. And I had to work at it, and I had to keep trying, and sometimes I would give in, and sometimes I wouldn't. But God loved me throughout that. And God stood there with open arms throughout that. And he helped me to look down at the scar and remember his throughout that. And so that's what God shows us here. Because God's love is constant. Sometimes we try and we fail and we try and we fail. Or we feel like we continue praying for the same things, for the same control. We pray for for help with anger or patience. And then we drive on I-75 and all that's out the window. Because, guys... Left lane's for passing, and nobody seems to know that. But we go to the Lord, and we're like, oh man, I'm so sorry. And then something happens, and the next day it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And we feel like we keep doing it. And so we start to feel like God's going to give up on me. Never, ever is God going to give up on us. He loves us so much, and he's there waiting, and he will help us. Sometimes we refuse to see what needs changed. And he still loves us. Sometimes we finally do, but it takes a while. He still loves us. God's love is constant and never ending. That is the greatest thing that we could ever hope for, that we could ever know. Amen. Thank you. Go to verse 25. Uh, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. How often... Are we just so upset that nobody ever gave us a goat? But seriously, we always look at the wrong things sometimes. And so, sometimes in our lives, we are the younger son. We get lost, we go the wrong way, we hold on to the wrong things, we give up the wrong things, we, we think that happiness is over here when really God is there, and, and we just we have to work our way back. Sometimes, though, Sometimes we're the older son. And we stubbornly stand there and judge everyone else that is messing up and they're coming back. We, we sit in judgment over people or we, don't, we just cling to everything that we had and we forget to look at God. And we don't really care about anything because the older son was never a prodigal. He was never lost. But he also was never really found. Because while the younger son ran out looking for happiness in all the wrong places... The older son didn't even look for happiness. He didn't care about anything but doing the work, and clearly he was doing it for the wrong reasons, just to be seen doing it, just to get the reward. You see, love doesn't keep a record of being wrong, of record of wrongs. It's from the Bible. The older son was absolutely keeping a record keeping a little notebook of all the times his dad wronged him or all the times he didn't get praise or all the times somebody didn't say, hey, good job. He was keeping that record. And he didn't see that just because the younger son needed to change didn't mean that he also needed to change. Because sometimes we can tell very clearly what someone else needs to do better. But we don't hold that mirror up to ourselves. And throughout this series, it's very much about holding that mirror up, but then it's about, well, what do I need to focus on? God, how do I do this? How do I get better? And as I said, it's a process. Life is a process. And while the younger son looked everywhere for happiness and finally realized it was at home, it was with God, the older son stayed right there and said, I don't need happiness. I don't need God. I'm just going to be me stubbornly clinging to his life that he had, clinging to his views, clinging to everything. But it's a process. Life is a process, and God has to be the center of that. Uh, I love the original Star Wars movies. As far as I'm concerned, there's only three. New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. I'm sorry if you're like, hey, you know, I was born during the prequel era. I'm sorry, that's wrong. If you're like, hey, the new ones, they're, no, they're not, they're awful. The original Star Wars movies are the best. And in those, there's a character named Yoda, who I assume everybody knows. And Yoda had a quote that at the time I loved, and you'll still hear it all the time, and most of you, if you know Star Wars, you already know what quote I'm going to say. Do or do not, there is no try. Now, young Jeff would freak out at what I'm about to say, but Yoda was super wrong. Because the trying is what matters. We can't always control the circumstances around us. We can't always control the other people, ever, actually. But we can control our effort. And we can control our hearts. And we can control the trying. We can control doing that. And that's what God cares about, is doing our best. Doing our best to follow Him. Doing our best to get right. Doing our best to change. Doing our best to see Him. Trying. Aiming. And then the doing will come. One more part of scripture, verse 31. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And again, we see God's love. Most of us would expect or even do in this situation. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't deserve this. Or, man, you know what? You're a jerk. But what does God do? What does the Father do? He's found. Let's celebrate. He's getting better. Let's celebrate. Come on. Love is what it's about. Trying is what it's about. Doing better is what it's about. Whether we've gone off and failed or failed to even try, God's love is the way back for us. God's open arms are the way back for us. God is there waiting for us. And so no matter how long the process is for you, and for some, when you realize I need to give up anger or or anxiety or whatever it is you struggle with, for some, it happens real quick. For some, it's a lifelong process. And yet God's not there like, hey, you should have been like this person. God's like, you're trying your best. Keep doing it. Keep coming to me. Keep seeing me because I'm here with you. I'm holding you. I'm ready for you. We're going to celebrate your victories every small step along the way. And whether we've gone off and failed, like I said, or whether we've stubbornly just stood still or been angry or given up the wrong things, sometimes we get hurt by other people or we've had a bad experience in church or or something awful has happened and so we hold that grudge forever. And instead of giving up the grudge, we give up compassion or empathy. And yet God is there even then, saying, hey, come back to me. Come back to me and see me and let me hold you. Let me give you the way back. And that's what it starts with. The way back starts with seeing that, with that moment in the pig pen. Realizing that it's not our way or the highway but that God's way is the only way. That's all I got. I forgot to bring up the bulletin thing so I think I know the order of things going but we'll see. We're about to sing a hymn thank you we're about to sing a hymn uh, when Amy reached out to me and said, uh, you know, do you have any suggestions? I very rarely have one because I'm not really a music guy. But this song has always spoken to me and this song has always mattered to me. Uh, it was played at my great-grandma's funeral, which I did at my great-grandpa's funeral. And I actually have a little uh, stained-glass church at home that plays this song from my grandma's funeral. Uh, and again, and I'm going to have to say this twice in front of Mary, so I'm Running great risks here, but my great-grandpa, not the one that raised me, but a different one. Uh, I actually, when I was a very young child, before I knew that I couldn't do this, uh, I played and sang this song, so it's always mattered to me. And this song ties to this parable so well, because it's about being lost and being found. Now, the key with being found, and don't worry, I'm not doing another sermon here. The key with being found, that means that somebody's looking for you. And God is always looking for us. Always. So as we sing this song together, don't just read the words. Let it pour out from your heart that it is through his amazing grace that we are here, that we are found, that we can continue trying.